Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, 70th anniversary Grand Prix edition. Now I have something to tell you, I have a confession. This is pre-recorded. I am not part of the WTF1 podcast this week. I know, shock horror, how dare I not be on the podcast. But I will be back for Spain next week. Do not worry about that. And I'm leaving you in the very capable hands of Tommy, the founder of WTF1 and Tomo F1, new time, big shot F1 YouTuber on the scene. Uh, So boys, take it away. I'm very sad I'm not going to be part of this podcast and I'm sure I'll watch it back and want to disagree with you on everything. Goodbye. Hey everyone, Tommy here. Yeah, you know 2020's gone horribly wrong when I'm presenting, but here we are. How are you doing, Tommy? Thank you for having me, mate. Obviously, last minute kind of substituting. I'm essentially Nico Hulkenberg today. Um, so you it's are. a pleasure, pleasure to be here, mate. How, how are you doing? I'm good. It's even more last minute than Nico Hulkenberg because <laughs> genuinely it's, what, 20 minutes before we were meant to record this and um, Matt couldn't make it, so... This should be an interesting podcast. Hopefully it's a good one. (laughs) I will do my best to do as good a job as Nico's done uh, in the racing point. Good stuff. So three word race reviews. I now this is the part where I put in awful names for Matt to read out, but I've absolutely done myself in here. So same pick of Russell until first point said, remember to drink David G underscore 209. Everyone jinxed Hulkenberg. Fjeld dot Gamilla, finally not Mercedes, and key dot it full send Verstappen. So, bit of a f- funny race, really. I I obviously enjoyed it with a, a Verstappen victory, and I'm sure a lot of other fans enjoyed the fact that Mercedes weren't winning. I thought it was interesting though that maybe the race wasn't an absolute banger of a race, but it's kind of got to that stage now where mm. any race where Mercedes doesn't win is considered a good one what do you think yeah i mean i think there wasn't a huge amount of will to will action throughout but it had an appeal on a different level in terms of the the tire strategy and all that so yeah i know, I know what you mean it, it wasn't like i mean that there were times I, I actually missed the ricardo spin which we'll get onto that later i'm sure and like because <laughs> there, there were parts of the race where again it was just a bit you know switched off but you always knew that it was almost like the anticipation waiting for something to go wrong with the Mercedes, with the tyres, because we know that historically they don't do well in the heat. So almost it, it was that anticipation that kept the excitement levels higher than last week, I think, for example. Verstappen, you're so used to Mercedes winning, that just having anyone in front, there's always that doubt in your mind that uh, well, Mercedes still will win somehow. Mm. Whereas Rolls reverse if Verstappen was... And Mercedes, I think we'd have all gone. Well, he's got this in the bag. His other his other rivals' tires are ruined, but there we go. So we're going to dive into Matt's review, and he's mm-hmm. recorded a little message for him to do his oh, review. Cutie. Right, my three word race review: make tires degrade. My goodness me. That two stop strategy was amazing to watch. Verstappen and Red Bull just kind of forcing their hand and just going the opposite way to Mercedes no matter what they did hard tyres in qualifying which was a great shout it turned out to be had only a handful of laps on the mediums and it was the perfect strategy for Stappen drove incredibly well as well and you know Ross Braun knows that this needs to happen so I wouldn't be surprised if the Pirelli tyre choices as we go through the season obviously the ones that haven't already been chosen we do go more down the degrading route because It provided amazing racing, mainly because Mercedes couldn't handle the hot temperatures and the soft rubber. But either way, 
Just make the tyres degrade. That's exactly what I want. Give it to us. And I'm not going to keep blabbing on because it's not my podcast this week. I'm not. I'm not hosting it. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. I miss you. Okay. Tomo and Tommy, take it back. Take it away, please. So make tyres degrade. Yay or nay, Tomo? I mean, you can see why uh, he's said it. Obviously, like it, it makes a lot of sense. We we don't want to be in a position because we have had the the opposite extreme in the past in Formula One, and then it's just tyre management. Um, the entire race, which we don't want, but obviously, yeah, the the it does mix things up a bit. And to be fair, I, I think it's it's more because Mercedes particularly struggle with it. I think that's why we're more drawn towards it. So I don't think I'm quite as on board as maybe Matty is because I don't know if that actually, if you put that across the whole grid, um, it would. But it does add a bit of unpredictability, and I'm all for that. It adds more pit stops, which then adds more chances of you know teams the strategy coming into play and losing time in the pits and messing pits up. So I'm all for that side of things. So overall, I would say I agree. But um, but yeah, with a bit of caution, I think. Ty, my uh, my three-word race review until Matty pretty much stole it, being about the tyres, because I was going to go something similar uh, in terms of like tyres are key, because similar to you, I feel that maybe it's not the fact that they need to degrade and be useless. Mm. It's more the fact that we... I think 2010 and 2011. Now, people are probably already typing going, well, what a great season we had in 2010 and then 2011, Vettel walked it. But in terms of pure entertainment, and then obviously if you look at 2012, the year after, all the different winners, crazy races. And for me, they do all this stuff where they've tried to implement DRS. Hmm. They've changed the era of the cars. They obviously recently took out the front wing end plates to try and make the racing closer and this race just showed that for more unpredictability it really mm. is tyres are key and you can see that that was the case in between 2010 and 2011 the racing entertainment just went up through yeah. the roof because um, Ethan Catton has said should Pirelli always bring compounds that are one step softer than normal I mean it's one of those things where it's is it about the softness of the tire or is it just the unpredictability mm. of the tire because because the blistering's directly tied to the heat right like as far as yeah. i'm aware so like that you, you're not going to get that every single race obviously that level of heat but obviously particularly is where we're with the delayed season now going to spain next weekend which i mean typically spain this time of the year is boiling so Again, yeah. great. Barcelona, like, middle yeah, of August is going to be <laughs> hot. You, you can't imagine anything else but kind of 40 degrees, surely. It's going to be it's going to be wild, man. I'm very much looking forward to Mercedes struggling again. <laughs> oh, of course. It's nothing about picking back Mercedes, but we all we all like to see it, let's be honest. We've had so long of Mercedes dominating. Yeah. It's nice to see it's nice to see kind of you know, I made a joke on my Twitter that one tiny inconvenience and f1 fans are cheering but can you really blame us like we're a lot of neutrals don't necessarily think the right the right thing is to peg mercedes back Mm. because at the end of the day they've earned where they are but it doesn't mean that it's not disappointing for fans that you tune in you know everyone that's going to know whoever's you know it's a race between two cars so um aria juska says because today's race is exciting 
to the drivers, fans and everyone else, should Pirelli do this every week to create a two-stop strategy? I, I think this is um, maybe more on point. I think you briefly yeah. mentioned it earlier that maybe it's not necessarily about degrading. It's about more pit stops mm. um, and how and how we do that. It doesn't necessarily need to be that the tyres need to shred apart. Yeah. But at the end of the day, one-stop races are not as exciting. No, no <laughs> um, definitely not. And for whatever reason, I mean, I think the reason was, correct me if I'm wrong, 2013, you had the Pirelli tyre failures uh, in the, the British Grand Prix. Yep. And that almost hit a point where everyone said, this tyre degrading business is just ridiculous now. Mm. We need to go back to drivers pushing. The drivers obviously were very vocal about the fact that they couldn't drive flat out Formula One cars every race. So yeah, yeah. that kind of put a little bit of pressure on Pirelli. And then you also have to think of them as a brand as well, mm. that when they're putting themselves into Formula One, despite the, the they were asked to do this, by mm. the way, to that they were asked to make tires degrade that was their job but from a business point of view they're joining formula one as an official (laughs) tire partner and seeing their um seeing lewis hamilton cross the the line on three wheels is that a good advert for it's not great for their brand image is it that's the thing (laughs) because because matty was talking about this in terms of the idea of like mandatory couple of pit stops and I, i think like why not because again regardless of regardless of all this talk about it blistering and tired deck and all that like if you've got mandatory pit stops then that will inherently allow the drivers to push more because they have to pit those two times so it just I get and like we said about the whole strategy side of things and the chance of mechanics you know messing up and people getting jumps in the pit lane like th- there's whenever you see like a, a tight race and whoever's at the lead or whoever's in that battle comes into the pits there's always a like you always know in the back of your mind oh like the mechanics like you know they might cock this up like there's a there's a chance and they could get jumped in the pit and you know that happens what was it um the one i always remember is was it max was it last year at monaco um i remember remembering yeah. that wrong and he just got the jump i can't remember on who, who on bottas on. when on they bottas, had the little it. collision in the pit lane yeah, yeah 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 and he got and, and that actually like worked out and that that again that's an, another bit of like jeopardy to add to the equation and so i'm all for it because look it's an entertainment spectacle and still with with two pit stops you can still again extract as much as you can out of those tires it just adds more strategy because that's that's what makes formula one unique you know most it is it's such a unique series in terms that it's not a spec series. There's all this other world to Formula One beyond just the drivers and adding more pits and all that good stuff. I, I think it, it's a great idea. I really do. I'm so so hear me out here. I'm I'm convinced we have the perfect solution to this that you, you can you can argue my case Go when on. I say it. I, I cannot see any negatives and I think it could be implemented really quick as well. So Karun Chandok has said this in the past, and I totally agree with him. So you, ha- so you have the three compounds, mm-hmm. and obviously they do three hours of practice, and pretty much all the time they dismiss the softest tyre or whatever and go, this is absolutely rubbish, we're mm-hmm. not using it. However, if you make the teams have to use all three compounds of tyre in a race... You're guaranteeing two stops, 
drivers can push because mm-hmm. you know they have to to make two stops anyway so they don't have to think about tire saving as much yeah uh, pirelli then don't have to resort to making awful tires which is bad for their image and then all they need to do is make sure which they kind of do anyway that the there's a difference between the two compounds mm-hmm. uh like a big enough gap so if you think that and and then on to my next point is if they ditch the q2 tire rule mm. you then have everyone on uh using any tire they want and then if you think about it like that imagine mercedes have locked out the front row yeah. Do they put softs on to try and pull away and build a yeah, gap? Yeah, yeah. Do they put hards on, but then Verstappen's behind mm. on, and he goes softer tires because he wants to be aggressive and push them? I don't think, and a reason the race was good was because Verstappen was on a different tire compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really just that is my pet hate in F one. Like, if it's one rule, it's that Q two tire rule. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you get rid of that, people will gamble. Yeah. Everyone starts on the same tire. And it's a one-stop. Of course, everyone's going to pit on the same lap because they're all in the same conditions. Mm. Whereas if you add an extra variable of another tire, allow them to pick whatever they want, you might get Max Verstappen going, well, I've qualified seventh, but because he's a an overtaker, he's like, well, I'm going to stick on the softs and go absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. ham for the first 10 laps and try and overtake everyone, get that tire out of the way, stick the hards on. And then everyone's stopping at different times. Mm. I mean, for me that's it that yeah. that is the key that's it i know and i think as well like things beyond that is that it is again getting rid of that stupid q2 rule it's like it gives a truly level playing field so if anything it levels up because again anyone can use any tire at the start but also and you know with all these aws insights and all that nonsense like f1 are trying to make <laughs> yeah. the sport easier to understand for someone coming in and when someone comes in and you've got to try and explain well they can't use these tires but they can't like bruv just no just it's just it's just much simpler for anyone to just understand right anyone can start on any tire they like and you're right and it it can it mix things up and and we knew uh, in qualifying that max was going for a different strategy after he put i mean because he only didn't he um i swear one of the quality sessions yesterday he only just squeezed through um was it Q2? He was like ninth, I think. I could be wrong. No, I, I have to admit I missed qualifying for yeah. the first time in about four years. So you I'm won't be able to quote sure me on that one. But Max, Max did squeeze through. Uh, what, I'd assume that would out. be when he was on the hards. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the hard gamble to, to get through. But for me, I do, I do not understand any benefit to that tyre at no. all. Because the only... I, I feel like maybe in 2011 when the tires were so bad yeah yeah them doing even three runs uh, an in lap fast lap and an out lap would maybe destroy the tire enough that mm. they would be on struggling tires rather than fresh new rubber maybe that was the thinking behind it i can't quite remember but mm. it's an awful rule and we need to get rid of it personally agreed agreed cool um now my three-word race review. This is kind of kind of bad because you're uh, you're so last minute, like we're saying with Hulkenberg. You don't actually have a three-word race review, but we'll, you can have one. I've if got you want I've got end. one up here. I've got one up here. So all right, nice. We'll so my it. so mine is Max says no, and this um, now Matt gave me permission to to fanboy here because I was going to do the the tires one as well, <laughs> but. Um, I just think Max Verstappen's radio, whether you love him or hate him, 
and don't get me wrong i can see why people don't like him and don't mm-hmm. like his uh approach to mm-hmm. formula one but we want to see racing drivers race and there's nothing i hate more than a race engineer coming on the team radio and saying don't race so the fact that max verstappen said i'm the one driving the car i'm the one that knows how good my tires are let me push them mm. and and i don't know if this is uh right or wrong you can you can give your your input on this but i don't necessarily think the fact that verstappen pushed them so hard won him the race because the mercedes tires were pretty dreadful anyway mm. however if he'd have just sat back and gone all right then mercedes might have eked out their tires for an extra few laps and then they wouldn't have been on the hards for as long you never know so the fact that verstappen took it into his own hands and said i'm never getting to race a mercedes because we've mentioned on this podcast many times that he has been in no man's land a lot of the year because he can't quite so far out of the midfield can't can't quite reach mercedes but yeah just a an awesome team radio which i think people love to see they love Mm. to see the drivers making the choices right absolutely I i think the thing is max gave mercedes something to think about and they couldn't you know mercedes in an alternative universe where max isn't on the grid you know mercedes can play it super conservative and still have the pace to draw out and win the race and and arguably could have you know if max wasn't there maybe mercedes could have done a different strategy which would have actually resulted them in having a faster race time but knowing that max was there and trying to like that that's that's why i'm so grateful that max because i i like max i love the i love the dutch fan base probably more than max to be honest um but (laughs) he brings so much like he's got so much pace and he's getting everything out of that red bull and he's pushing he he, you know like we're saying like when i when i told i told matty yesterday i was like by the way like max is p2 in the driver's championship and he didn't believe it it was like no chance no way and i showed it on and like so he's ahead of outward by like five points i think um, yeah, and you wouldn't like when you think about the Mercedes dominance of this season, you you just wouldn't jump to that assumption. But actually, Max is keeping them, uh, keeping them, keeping them on it, and we're all for that. Obviously, you as a Max fan, first and foremost, but also <laughs> like look, no, no one. When we talk about Mercedes wanting to wanting to see them struggle, it's not wanting to see them struggle. It's just wanting to see a more even kill. If it was Ferrari, if it was racing point if it was Williams at the top we'd be saying the same thing because no sport you, you never want to see a, a absolute domination like you, you see in a lot of like fo- football leagues when like Bundesliga is always getting dominated by Bayern Munich it's like yeah it gets a bit boring when it's a more competitive environment everyone enjoys the spectacle a lot more and that's just what we want to see man yeah exactly I mean there may be a lot of new fans listening to this that wasn't around uh, but as I'm an old an old person i've i've kind of watched through the shumi era mm. and the um vettel era obviously the shumi era didn't have social media like we do now but even just me talking be- between like family and friends that watched mm. f1 it was kind of like oh which ferrari's going to win this week uh, people it was just a bit of a joke like no one no one can beat them and vettel <laughs> ironically had the same kind of hate Lewis Hamilton was getting yep. now because he was dominating and he won nine races in a row in 2013 and people were just thinking like oh this is boring yeah he's only winning because it's the best car it's the same thing as soon as someone dominates 
all the same the same things come out but like you say we 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 just want to see close racing i think everyone wants to see that because formula one's a unique sport i feel compared to football i know you've already got a football analogy in and that's a a good welcome to the podcast because we always (laughs) need to get one in but um yeah football you kind of support a team and maybe a bit more Uh, and Mm. this is maybe talking from a personal perspective but you know i i like max verstappen but if nicholas latifi was closing him down for a race victory i'd probably want nicholas latifi to win because it's a better story and i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of formula one fans like myself where you want to you want an underdog win you want you want to you want excitement in the sport and that comes over your own driver maybe absolutely no i i I agree it's that kind of you know, you're going to get some people, like, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I, I'm very much neutral in all. There's certain drivers and certain teams. I kind of pull for a bit more, but, yeah, it's all about the story. I mean, we all wanted to see, and Matty was saying this as well, like, everyone wanted to see Nico on that podium, regardless of who that would displace, if that had displaced Max, if that had displaced Alex, my favourite driver. Like, yeah, that that's... We all wanted to see Nico, Nico do well because of the story, like you said. You mentioned about... Max and you're you're right. I was surprised as anyone when I heard he was second in the title. Uh, Devolia Esp says, "Do you think Max is a serious title contender? If Hamilton's engine was to fail, Max would almost be on the same amount of points as Lewis." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether this is just we we've seen it before. I think it was 2018 where Danny Rick won a couple of races when Mercedes was struggling, and then everyone goes. Oh, maybe this could be Ricardo's year. And Formula One is very fickle when it comes to only as good as your last race mm. uh, with rating drivers and things. So I don't know. Are we hyping Max up too much that he could be in a title? But then you, the, you'd argue that Mercedes, uh, sorry, uh, Red Bull get better towards the end of the season. Mm. So what, what do you reckon? Do you reckon he's in the hunt or I is think, it wishful thinking? I think he's got it in him, Max, for sure. No question, no shadow of doubt. Max has definitely got it in him, ability-wise. But it's that Mercedes. That Mercedes <laughs> yeah. is just levels. That Mercedes is an absolute monster. And with a bit of good, because stra- that was the thing. It, it was a it was a good strategy call from Red Bull. And Mercedes' own issues with blistering. It wasn't a, you know, if 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 Mercedes weren't having the problems that they were yesterday, Max wouldn't have been anywhere near. I don't think. You know, if they weren't yeah. having the, the fundamental issues with the tyres that they were having. And, you know, Red Bull have got to rely on just... And, and they took the opportunity, you know, when Mercedes did struggle and, and Red Bull need to continue to do that. This, I, I think, I still think this is Max's best chance because I think he's the most complete a driver he has been for a, since he, he started in F1. Because you've got to remember when Max first came in and all the crash happened memes and he was, he oh, was a bit remind wild. me. I was going to say, like he's he's. I, I feel that he's really matured as a driver. He's still aggressive, but I think he's got the, that right balance now, and I think he's in the best position in himself to to win. And I just think Red Bull, you know, they've got you know they've probably got the best pit crew. They've you know there, there's a lot of elements of that team who I think that I think are even better than Mercedes. And I think you know if you for me if you stuck Max alongside Lewis. I mean, he would he would challenge Lewis right to the very end. I really do think those two are on a on another level. But um, but all in all, yeah, I th- it's going to be tough. I mean, my 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 predictions that I did at the start of this year, 
I did say Max, I think, is going to win the driver's title. I think this is his best chance. And I do still think that... Because didn't Max... Did he get a DNF? Was it a DNF in Austria? So he he did. That was going to be my next point. point that I still... Um, uh, uh, when that first happened, me and me and Matt on the podcast, I'm sure we said that's that's Max out the title with mm. how good the yeah. Mercedes are. Even though it seemed ridiculous to say that after one race, mm. you think Mercedes are so far. I mean, look at them in qualifying; they're always eight tenths clear of Verstappen, and then it's just whoever's further down. That race arguably could have played out very similar it's all speculation but it could have played out very similar to Silverstone because he was on the alternate strategy wasn't he and we were kind of robbed of that race where he retired yep within what was it four laps or something yeah very early in the race we didn't get to see really any of it and you know it's all it's all hindsight but if he had won that race that's 25 points and he's maybe Mm. looking at 10 points behind Hamilton in the title then maybe it would be looking very different but I think you're right that it's almost like Mercedes have to lose a race for him to win it than him actually have a car that's capable of beating yeah. them. And Absolutely. we can't shy away from the fact that the fact that the Mercedes tires were so awful on their tires. That's really what, why Max was allowed to it was, beat it them was, for a It change. was blowing my mind how blistered, how bl- blistered they were getting after like, a few laps it was insane well max like, was pulling away crazy. on the same tire wasn't he yeah and, and max is just look i'd eat my dinner off them they look beautifully smooth and it was like it was great it was mad how different those two cars were were treating their tires and again like yeah hopefully you know like you say about changing the tire rules with q2 that adds adding more strategy gives more of a chance for an upset i think um and that's what we want to see okay so let's move on to Mercedes then, as we were talking about there, they kind of woes. And Pessy Ruska says, did Bottas get screwed over by Mercedes? Now, I didn't actually read too much into this, but I've seen um, from what, what I've heard online that Bottas was a little bit critical maybe, or maybe just a little bit annoyed about, which is maybe understandable with mm. starting on pole and wondering how the race got away from him. Because my, one of my first takeaways from that race was how on earth has Lewis Hamilton still finished ahead of Bottas yeah. when Bottas um, started from pole, still led into the first corner, had the optimum strategy with being the, the first person to pit, which we know is the optimum strategy. Mm-hmm. And it seems crazy that Hamilton was the one struggling way more on his tyres and was dropping four or five seconds behind Bottas at one point when they were really struggling with the hards. He got first, yeah, first call. But for me, it comes back to our point about winning it on the pit wall and Mm. all these, when you want to see the drivers take it into their own hands. Lewis took a gamble. Yeah. Well, Mercedes took a gamble with leaving him out. And it is funny that sometimes, despite all the computers saying this is the perfect strategy... Bottas got preferential strategy with everything. Yeah. Mercedes took a risk and it actually ended up being better. And you could argue if there was maybe a few more laps, I don't know, mm. maybe Hamilton would have even got behind uh, ha- uh, Verstappen at the end. Mm. So his strategy ended up playing a lot better. So do you feel like Bottas is justified kind of uh, saying these things? I 
I'm not one for like conspiracy theories and, and looking too deep okay. into these things, but I do think that Mercedes would ro- like Mercedes are taking Verstappen's challenge seriously for sure. Like they'd be naive not to, and like we say, Verstappen's now second in the drivers' title uh, championship, and I just think like Mercedes can play that where they kind of make it make try and make Valtteri feel that they're not giving Lewis priority treatment but I just feel like Mercedes definitely want Lewis to get that seventh uh, world driver's title they definitely want him to you know take all these records because that will be a reflection on them as well in in the history books going forward and yes they support Bottas but also Bottas doesn't have for me it's a combination of factors I definitely think Mercedes do give Lewis preferential treatment and I think that's very justifiable and understandable why. And I think that is the situation that Bottas has kind of signed up to. Um, he likes a bit of mojo, doesn't he? However much people hate yeah, maybe a, a Verstappen, there's at least something there because maybe, maybe it's kind of Formula One, isn't it, where all the best drivers, you can maybe judge this in a lot of things in life, look how successful you are, the more people hate you. And uh, I don't. I don't think there are many people that really hate Bottas. He's not like a no. one where people really dislike him. But part of that, like you say, he's not. He's not like a fiery character or anything. I no, feel. Bottas doesn't get. You know, Bottas is a very talented bloke. Particularly, I think over one lap, I think he's and he's proven it because he has. You know, Lewis doesn't dominate in terms of pole positions. Yes, he probably gets a slight, slight majority over Valtteri. But all in all, they're pretty close over one lap. Um, but you look at like a, a Nico Rosberg, you know, for me, he was on a different level to Valtteri because Nico really did push and really didn't allow that second driver role to consume him. As much as Lewis had the measure of him over most of their time together and arguably Nico was lucky to get that 2016 title because of the you know technical difficulties that yeah. Lewis had. But still, I just think he pushed Lewis so much further and I, I think... Mercedes see that they see that again that the long term the you know having you know the 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 you know matching Michael's record in terms of drivers titles taking all these records first black guy to do so and I think you know that is a that is a going to be a big deal to Mercedes as well and I do think that kind of factors into to the strategy but of course like don't get me wrong like I, I've said it before I say it again I think Lewis is the greatest of all time he's an incredible driver he's got an amazing team behind him it's going to take a lot for Valtteri to get anywhere near let alone Max there was a there was a, a damning stat going around that, that that it's now Verstappen has matched Bottas's win record since 2017 when you could argue that Mercedes have been maybe not as dominant as they were in the kind of 2014 15 16 era but certainly have had at least the best car yep. um for the last three and a bit season so yeah uh, it's funny you mentioned conspiracy theories and sabotage sebastian vettel um question here from trying to be nice underscore uh one what has happened to vettel two do you think benotto uh benotto's ferrari is giving charles priority and three do you think vettel's separation from ferrari is going to get ugly now, I kind of will 
shamefully sit on the fence massively over this <laughs> and say that it is very much both parties for me. I totally agree with you actually that I'm I'm the same. I I do I absolutely despise hearing that people think that a team would sabotage their own car. It is absolutely baffling and everyone is desperate and we'll go into this later because there's obviously some Hulkenberg business as well which is similar. But um a team would not sabotage their own car and you're you're right Mercedes prioritize Hamilton over Bottas in in terms of you know they get an equal car but mm. there's no denying um that Hamilton has had somewhat preferential treatment it's the same with Verstappen in Red Bull and it's the same with Leclerc in Ferrari yep. at the moment particularly it's the same with Schumacher um, at Re- Ferrari against exactly. Barrichello you know it's always been a thing and they do it they do it for a reason right they yeah. they do it for a reason because that that's who they're they're putting their faith in and mm. Vettel's going I I think he was they've not they've not handled it well either side there was some very damning radio from Vettel where he was he was saying what was it you know you've got it wrong yeah. he was absolutely slating the strategy which to be yeah, fair yeah, to yeah. him they put him on was it the hards for about 10 laps and then the mediums, mediums for, 20, for like 20 and he was yeah, going yeah, yeah. why would you do that <laughs> uh, and apparently there's talk that it was because for, it was to get him out of the way of Charles I think mm-hmm. um, which really does show that he's just Ferrari have checked him out because yeah. He and he has checked out with them because he slated them, not slated yep. them, but over radio was kind yeah. of you could tell he wasn't happy with them. And then Bonotto comes out in the press and says, "Well, Vettel's spin didn't help." <laughs> so the two of them are really—it's it's an awful, awful, awful relationship. And I heard a team radio as well after the race, where you know you normally have. Even if they've not had a bad race, they go kind of like, thank you guys, it's P12, okay, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go on to the next one. And he was just silent. Silence. Absolutely. You heard that that's the second time that's happened as well. I think it was, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, just silence. The, 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 his engineer had to do a radio check to make sure Seb was actually still there. Wow. Yeah, it says it all. It's a very awkward relationship. And um, we'll just jump on to this ne- next question about it because... Uh, Andy North says, given how unhappy Sebastian clearly is with Ferrari, do you think he'll see the season out? Because I would have laughed this question off maybe three races ago, but mm. how it went, how it's going now, and he's obviously been seen leaving with Racing Point even when he's uh, <laughs> been leaving the circuit. <laughs> it is very sour, and yeah. it's to the point where I could see it happening. I don't know about you. I mean, obviously... It's more like I could see 100%. I think Seb doesn't want to be there, and I don't think Ferrari want him there. Um, but no. it's the, the chain of events. So if, if Seb was to jump out early, would he then take that racing point seat for the rest of the year? And then how would that knock on effect? You know what I mean? Like it's more it's more that chain that I feel that would get in the way of him leaving early. But oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. What, what do people think? Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because I. Any normal circumstances, I could see, okay, this could happen. Mm. But because they've got Carlos in place, who wouldn't want to leave McLaren, you wouldn't think, early for his contract, how would that play out? It's almost like it's an absolute 
disaster for both parties, mm. but they just need to um, yeah. wait for the divorce, yeah, I you, guess. You've got, yeah, <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be Vettel to Racing Point, and then we don't know whether it'll be Lance or Sergio. I mean, I, I, I heard an interesting interview on Ziggo Sport, the Dutch uh, channel, talking to Lance, and literally, because they don't, they don't care, they just ask the, the questions. They oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love it. Great. And, and Lance was actually quite kind of, he was like, oh, well, if I lose my seat, then, you know, these things happen. Like he, he wasn't as confident as you'd expect the owner's son to be, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah. so it could still be Stroll leaving, but we don't know. But you, like you say, again, it's it's science. You know, then it's Ricardo to Renault, then it's Alonso. Like, there's all this chain. It's like it's like when you buy a house and there's a, there's a chain, and it's yeah. like it takes it all has to work in continuity for things to. And I just don't I don't see how that would work in terms of like if they got rid of him early they're not going to get science in so who would they get in as that well, I, the only like? person i can think of would be kimmy back but would that even work like would they get kimmy back just to then do who's got the, alpha the final seat? six yeah. races and then who gets the alpha seat yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it it gives huge knock-on effects mm. i mean who are who are the ferrari reserves i know we we had a lot of talk about the mercedes reserves mm. being gutierrez and van dorn Kvyat used to be. Fairline, is it, it's is not it? Brendan Hartley, is it still? Oh, it's Jovanazzi's kind of top of the. Yeah, because because it's almost like because they've got that almost Toro Rosso yeah, Red Bull yeah. relationship with Alpha, their their young driver is already in there, and they've already obviously promoted Leclerc. So I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. It says yeah, so Jovanazzi would be number one, but again, that's obviously vacating an Alpha seat. Yeah, um, and then Pascal Verline is a sim driver, so ah, Verline, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I remember that. So yeah. I guess maybe him, all right, but um, yeah, it's it's the chain of connection, but it's, I don't know, man. Like Seb's Seb's situation, I know you say like you're you're sat on the fence, and and I think that is to be fair, it is both parties are I feel pretty, um, pretty both at fault. I mean, I I did a I did a little poll on Twitter yesterday, um, asking like who do people think's most at fault, and I think only ten percent of people said Seb's most at fault. And then the rest was pretty much evenly split between just Ferrari or both Seb and Ferrari. Um, and I think, mm. you know, it's, it, you know, he's only human. That's the thing. And, and like in any job, you know, if, if, you're, if you know you haven't got the support of the, the people around you, that's going to have an effect on the way you perform. And it's like a self-fulfilling, you know, Seb makes a mistake, Ferrari get on him. Uh, and it's, it, it, you know it's a I mean? vicious it's cycle a, isn't it it is a vicious yeah. cycle man and I, I'm no wonder and I think just Seb needs to get out of that team I think Racing Point Aston Martin whatever would be great for him because I'd love to see him actually not in a not in a Ferrari and in a more stable car hopefully because the mistakes you, you can't ignore the mistakes that Seb's been making over the last kind of two seasons at least um, it's impossible to say for sure how much that's the team and how much that's him he's the one behind the wheel yes but obviously, as we know, with Max spinning out uh, Hungary, you know, if a car's balance isn't working for you, you can make silly errors. Um, Ricardo spun as well yesterday. So, it's, you know, it's not infallible. It just when it rains, it pours. And yeah, Seb's not having a good time at the minute. He is not. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, we'll, we'll have a quick chat about him because it might even be the last time we speak about him for a while. So yeah. Eric Gage says, and we were, and yeah, another conspiracy theory. Why did Racing Point pit Hulkenberg? Now, I saw the tweet from Racing Point. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they tweeted afterwards and said it was a vibration, right? Yeah, uh, vibration on the tire. So they had to pit him 
uh, right near the end, just so I his tie didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you thought he wouldn't make it, and it blew up. Now Hulkenberg in the interview afterwards sounded confused by it and he didn't really understand why they'd done it now obviously there's loads of telemetry but twitter being twitter the first thing everyone thinks is that lance stroll being the son of the yeah. team owner and i think someone tweeted them it and they replied saying last time we checked lawrence stroll isn't our strategists so i mean <laughs> fair, fair play to them for calling it out and i i I don't know about you. I'm sure uh, you're a bit of a stroll fan, aren't you? Anyway, so, but um, you, you don't far, mind but... a bit of stroll. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I but... think he gets. I think he gets more. Uh, I don't think he deserves the stick he gets. Let's just say. Yeah, but I think this theory is absolutely bollocks. And again, it goes back to why would a team sabotage their own car? Yeah. For because, if anything, they would have just asked Hulkenberg to back off and yeah, swap. Yeah, yeah positions and they could have even because they could have even justified it and while they would have got Absolutely. a bit of backlash they could have say well stroll's the one that's actually getting world championship driver points yeah. and when perez is back you won't so we appreciate you doing this you've driven a brilliant race but this yeah. is the team's decision and yes they'd get a bit of backlash but yeah. why would they sacrifice a position to alban just justify. to make Lance happy and it's, it's absolutely it's so, ridiculous it's so tight in that midfield now that Ferrari have almost fallen into that midfield you, yeah like you say you can you can people won't like it but you can rationalize that completely but yeah like you say about sabotage there's a difference between sabotage and prioritizing like yeah clearly Ferrari are prioritizing Charles and it makes sense like if I was a massive Sebastian Vettel fan I wouldn't be happy about it but I would understand it because Ferrari Ferrari's priority is Ferrari. Ferrari will hopefully be in this sport for years and years and years and years to come. Drivers change all the time. Again, he's the one. Charles is the one with a five-year contract. Yeah, well, exactly. That's the thing because, like, um, and even even then, like, it's still you know in twenty years' time, Charles probably won't be in that seat. And it's like again, like with with football teams, like the club remains the same. The players are changing all the time, but the 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 team needs to prioritize what's best for them in the short and long term. And obviously, like. You know, Ferrari like money, just like anyone else. They want to be top of the, the midfield now. They want to be third in the yeah. constructors. So they're going to do what they can to, to make sure that happens. And yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's, you like you say, like it, it's frustrating because I, I get where people are coming from with it. But again, sabotage just doesn't do anyone any favours because then you're just sacrificing championship points for no good reason. Um, but one exactly. thing, actually, I was going to ask you because you're such a fountain of knowledge. <laughs> are Nico's points still going to count towards the constructors? Because I know they don't get, get, get given to Sergio. Yeah, yeah, they do. But yeah. They will still accrue those constructors' points. So yeah, yeah. From that point of view, it's that. Well, so actually, there's no reason. No, the team's not losing out, but obviously, with Lance, I don't know. Do, do you think he'll keep that seat? Because I don't know, man. It's strange. La- Lance. Yeah. Do you think Lance will? I think it would be um, Vettel. Uh, and stroll yeah um but i've said i've said before i don't think it's unquestionable mm. that they'd get rid of stroll and keep perez yeah um it's a toughie it is it is a toughie because you look at the form now and you'd say why would they go for vettel but i think vettel would be absolutely born again in a yeah, new team and I we'd agree. get the old seb back and you know you're not regardless of what you think about Vettel as a driver when he was in the Red Bull you, you, you know he's not 
he didn't just win in the Red Bull because he had the fastest car. You don't win four world titles and win nine races in a row and absolutely dominate a sport for four years because you're a bad driver. So you can see why they would pick Vettel over Perez, even even with it. And Stroll's uh, a future future talent as well. Maybe Maybe he's got into the sport a little too early. And I do agree with you to a point that he doesn't he doesn't deserve the criticism he gets as much. People make it sound like he's literally been bought a seat when he's a F three champion. I say it so many times on this podcast. You do, you you don't get into Formula One by just buying a uh, buying a seat. I mean, you could in the nineteen sixties, but last, you couldn't. You last can't time now. I last time I checked, a twenty pound note can't drive a Formula One car, and it's like he he he's not a Raguna thing. Like yes, he got yeah, you know, exactly. He, he got opportunities. Like all, all drivers get opportunities, and and you know at, at different stages. And obviously, having his dad in the position he is, he got all the opportunities and everything. But you know, he's still only twenty one. He's the second youngest driver on the grid. So you know, I think I think given time, and I think given Stroll's progression, um, it might take a bit longer. And yes, his money will help keep him, give him more opportunities because there's been a lot of great drivers. Well, Antonio Felix da Costa, who you know won Formula E. There's a lot of talk yeah. of him, you know, maybe getting dropped too soon. And it's like, if it, if he'd have had the support that Stroll had, he probably would still be in F1 and would have been able to mature in the sport. Um, but ultimately, you can't, like, I'm sorry, but if any of us were in that position, we'd, we'd take this, like, there's nothing more. Yeah, you can't begrudge. So, yeah. Son, do you want to drive a Formula 1 car? Yes. He, he, was, he was born into that money and that support. And you know what? Like, fair play to him. It's a, it's a weird one because it's no doubt helped his career, but it's also a burden for yeah. your popularity, regardless of how well yeah, you do. Yeah. They will always have that kind of negative. Absolutely. I mean, the guy got a podium in a Williams, so he can't be that bad. Now it's time for I'm going to just start in the normal order. So Lewis Hamilton. What are we giving Lewis? Uh, shall I go first with these? Yeah. And then, and then we'll can... argue away. So I'm going to say <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. I'm going to say B. B. Yeah, I've got B on my sheet as well. And Bottas, I think a B as well. Um, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to separate them because no doubt, you know, you've got to give Bottas credit for out qualifying him. It wasn't really his fault that. Hamilton still ended up ahead with a, a strategy gamble. But, you know, he wasn't beaten into the first corner. Yeah. But Mercedes, they didn't drive badly. They had they had nothing, no, did no, they? No, no, and no. it That's really shows that second and third is a bad result for him. It really shows yeah. how dominant they've been. Literally. Double podium. That's the thing, because, like, you know, again, it's like reflection on their performance. And like you say, like bias kind of that strategy was out of his hands. That was out of his control. So, um, yeah, I think. And, and, you know, he kept that gap consistent to Lewis at the start of the race, if not kind of grew it a little bit. So his pace was pace was very good about Valtteri. But, yeah, stiffed on the old uh, stiffed on the old strategy, unfortunately. For him. Nice. Right. Ferrari, uh, Leclerc and Vettel. I mean, Leclerc for me, I don't see how it can't be an A star. Um, it's pretty much nothing more he could have done. He he did a one stop as well, which is unbelievable. I mean, don't get me wrong. We we've mentioned it earlier that yes, they are prioritizing Charles Leclerc, but you cannot deny that that was an amazing drive to get. Um, yeah, to get that result. 
Yeah, I, I think the only caveat, I'd, I'd probably say A, but the only reason I'd, is just because his qualifying wasn't amazing. And again, obviously... Where did, he, qu- where did he qualify? I think I he was PA. Remember. I think he was PA in quality because he was ahead okay, of yeah. Alex. Um, but he was behind, obviously, uh, Nico Stroll. Uh, he, he, was, he was behind Ricardo. Um, yeah, so I think that is the only kind of slight blemish, but he did obviously bring it through in the race and that's what matters. So... I would say, I, I think I'm more, I'll, I'll give it to you. Oh, come on, you're, 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 the, you're the founder, so you get final words. Okay, right. We're going A-star <laughs> for Charles Leclerc. And then, yeah, Sebastian Vettel. It's got to be, you know, he, he no doubt is not very happy with his team, but spinning at the first corner is his own fault at the end of the day. So he, he compromised the strategy from the start, even if his strategy was ridiculous and he just became to the point where the team don't even want him to get a point they'd rather him just get out the way of Charles which is a little bit awkward but yeah I think it's got to be a D yeah I think D I think like like you say it's uh I think that race perfectly kind of summarized the relationship you know Seb makes an error and Ferrari take an L on strategy and and you know it, it you know Seb made that mistake and he's got to take responsibility for that as well but obviously Ferrari have to take responsibility for for giving him a giving him a, a car that just isn't working for him and their pace is well off. So yeah, I think D's perfect. Cool. Right. Red Bull, Max Verstappen. Any argument in A star for Max nah, Verstappen? We give him A a lot of the time. Gotta be A star. Um, we've spoken about him a lot, so let's just move on, A star. Uh, Alex Alban is an interesting one. What's your thoughts on this? Uh, you're a bit of a you, you like you oh, like, uh, Alex, Alex is my favourite driver. Yeah, I love Alex. Okay. Um, yeah, obviously it's been, you know, I'm, I'm a West Ham fan and I'm an Alex Albon fan, so I don't make it easy for myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, obviously his qualifying is still, you know, off where it should be. I think, you know, there's no smoke without fire. And he's going through a very similar, although I do think, you know, Alex's results have been better than Pierre's were. Like, that's a fact. They have been. Obviously, Ferrari haven't been anywhere near as much of a challenge as they were last year. So that's a fair point as well. But the way Pierre's kind of kicked on and do an amazing job in that AlphaTauri, and yet, you know, that Red Bull time for him wasn't a reflection of his, of his ability. And obviously, now it's happening again to an extent with Alex. Although Alex's racecraft, I do think, um, has been very good. Yes, he's made some mistakes, of course. Um, but all in all, like, I think in the race, I don't see... he could have really done much more i think his race was very very good but where his qualifying is still is still very poor and particularly yeah. in these cars in these this generation you know overtaking is always going to be difficult you know you don't think of silverstone as a hard place to overtake yet there were drs trains left right and center so alex really does need to step it up in quality um i'm confident he will given the time but i think in the race i i would give him a i'd give him a b yeah see i'm so abcdef1 we normally give it it's about their weekend but obviously race takes priority alex Albon is an interesting one for me because a surprising amount of people said that he was driver of the day now i don't know if that i mean let, let's be honest we love an overtake we were talking about it with max verstappen that's why we like him that he he's a racer and alex no doubt provided the most entertainment his moves around the outside of cops were incredible but i don't know if it's a little bit patronizing 
to say that a driver that finished fifth when his teammate won the race is driver of the day. Maybe that's harsh to Alex Albon, even though you think you're being nice to him, if that makes any sense. Um, so I think I think Albon is worthy of a, a C just because he's qualifying. He really needs to step up his qualifying. But I don't know. Like he, he His moves are so much better than what Gasly was doing in that Red Bull. Should I think... he have... I guess his, his first... He, did he pit on lap one or something? He, was oh, like he pitted really, really early. early. Wasn't it wasn't quite like he was the mm. first driver to come in, and then kind of Pierre really came early, in yeah. just after him. But but I think as like realistically, even if Alex had qualified P five, say for example, or P four, um, I don't think he'd have beaten those Mercedes because I just think no. you know that that. So I think the best Alex could have hoped for was P four, fourth, yeah. So to get P five, I think he was fifth. Yeah, he was fifth. I'm to be honest, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, I thought he was behind the racing points, but no, he beat them both. So, and he, he would have yeah, it's like, a good recovery w- with the pace difference. I think he would have caught, caught Hulkenberg regardless um, if Hulkenberg hadn't, because he was he was catching them at a rate of knots towards the end, and obviously got past Stroll. Um, probably would have got Nico as well. So, yeah, I I, I, I think B uh, for me. I'm looking down the list, and actually, to be fair, that some of the people that I've given my opinions of a C, he did better. So, I'm happy to go B. Let's let's give Alex Albon a B. Come on, Alex. <laughs> yes. Uh, Carlos Sainz, weirdly anonymous mm. in the race. Don't really remember him doing anything. He was bad quali. Bad quali out in Q two. Yep. I think this was probably Sainz's worst. Correct me if I'm wrong. Worst yep. performance in a McLaren, I'd especially when that. he was probably the standout driver last year. I think mm. he's got to be a D for Carlos. It yeah. was really uncharacter, out of character. Yeah, he, he he had a he had a poor pit stop, which obviously wasn't any fault Again. of his own. But yeah, exactly. You can't catch a break with him. It's like yeah, like P thirteen in qualifying. Um, obviously, the McLaren was off the pace. Lando only squeezed through, but I feel like Lando's really kind of, you know, m- making McLaren think. Oh, actually, yeah, we've definitely come out best of this deal because I think you know Lando's really finding his feet now. And and Carlos, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it was a very forgettable race, like you say. So I think D's completely fair. And then Lando C. I think he wasn't amazing, but mm. it, it's not a great result. But it wasn't as bad as science, right? I seem to I seem to have read something. I don't know if someone just said on Twitter that apparently quoting Lando saying that that first stint was the worst of his career in his own words. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, but to 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 get get home in the points, I think all things considered, yeah, I think C, C, on, bit of average. Right, so Daniel Ricciardo, not the uh, the greatest result. He did very well in qualifying. He was fifth. However, Smashed he it. finished the race 14th and had a bit of a spin, which he actually referred to as a Seb spin, which is a bit savage. Harsh. Yikes. Harsh, but, you know, that's the thing. I think he, he had a really strong quality. And because his spin was so much later in the race, race, <laughs> he didn't have time to to recover um, like Seb was able to. Because um, yeah, okay, fair. Which I, I mean, I'd I'd say I'd say that qualifying definitely deserves recognition, but obviously with the spin, I think it's it's, it's a costly I mistake. C, I think C, it's like a C minus D area. Yeah. Um. I mean, oh, I mean, to be fair, he was a lap down. He finished behind. Carlos, I'm yeah, going to yeah. overall and give him a D because oh, fine. He's, he's 14th is is not the one. They were looking it's, really quick after 
yeah. through practice, weren't they? It's not a reflection um, of their pace, but then their race pace. I don't know. Their race pace was okay, but it wasn't amazing. Yeah. Uh, Ocon, though, he really shone. Um, only person other than Charles to do a one-stop. Poor qualifying, but good in the race. Um, it's got to be a B, I think. Yeah, I think B. I was, think- I was thinking B. Where did he finish? Was it seven? He finished eighth. So oh, he was... Okay. Only yeah, I think B. Finished, yeah, it's a good, it's a impressive to be able to do a one stop. But I do think while it was impressive, there's more pace in that Renault, and I think you could argue that you know if Ricardo didn't have a spin, maybe he'd have finished ahead. So I don't think he overperformed the Renault. He just had a much more solid race that we kind of expected him to do. Yeah, and it is his, it is still his first year back. And I think, yeah, yeah. You know, yes, I know he's not a complete rookie, but you know, give him a bit of credit. So, yeah, I think B's fair. Cool. Uh, Gasly is a difficult one for me because he was absolutely mm. superb in qualifying. Yeah. And he kind my, of fell away, didn't he? Uh, but fell away. He finished 11th, so missed out on the points. Behind Kivu. Uh, C. Oh, because, I don't know, I man. Mean, is that too harsh because of how I, good his qualifying was? But then the race. He was not yeah. anywhere in the race. I don't know how much of his falling down the order was to down strategy. to him and strategy. So yeah, it makes it difficult to grade I, him sometimes. And he done done such a good job in quality. I think I'm going B. I really think B. I really, I re- honestly, I think Pierre's been my driver of the season so far. He's been wow. so good. Well he's extracting everything. He's doing in the Alpha Tauri what Max is doing in the Red Bull. He's extracting everything out of that car. And is consistently, yes, I know he ended up lower than Kvyat on the on the final yeah. race results. But um yeah, I, I, I'm saying B for Pierre, but Cool. Uh all right, I'm happy with that. Let's go to Kvyat. And we don't really talk about him much, and it was one of the performances of the race, I think, mm. up there with Verstappen and Leclerc. So I think it's got to be an A for Kvyat because he started yeah, right down. He was 16th, 16th and yeah, he was out got in into Q3. the points. Um, he was out in Q1, he was, he was, he was though. So uh, Yeah, it was a lap time deleted there, wasn't it? Which I guess uh, is his own he, fault. No, he, damaged, he damaged his floor oh, on that he? new bit of kerb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, he, oh, okay. he said he thought he damaged the floor because he went over that. You know, in quali, everyone was kicking up sparks, and that's where Seb rips a hole in the bottom of his car. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty sure. So I don't know. Because of his poor Q1, I would probably air towards B personally. Um, but I understand where you're coming from, so I'll, I will concede the A. Uh, the uh, yeah, it's funny that. It's so hard to get these accurate and people will definitely, uh, you know, driver ratings are always hard, especially when you don't have onboard cameras to analyse every single person's race. But Kvyat doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, a lot of love on this podcast. So I'm no, going to give doesn't. him an A because I think he I think he drove a really good race and we should applaud him for that. Yeah. And also right. last last week, his tyre blowout was because of an overheating rim, I think. Um, oh wow! I seem to read that. So that wasn't his fault either, and he was yeah, actually yeah. had really good good place good pace last week as well. So yeah, fair play, Kvyat. Nice. Uh, right, let's go for Hulkenberg and Stroll quickly. Uh, mentioned them before. Stroll 
B, Hulkenberg, maybe higher an A because of a, his unbelievable qualifying. Definitely and a. just how, yeah, I mean, you'd argue that getting into a car mid-season is never easy, so... No, it's got to be especially a, right? like around a track like Silverstone, which is so quick and so heavy on his neck, like to to come in, put it P3 in quality and then yeah. on pace, he should have been, you know, if it wasn't for that vibration, he'd have finished what P5. Um, so yeah, I, I 100% for Nico and I want to see him back on the grid next year, man, because he's proven he's got, he's still got it. Still got it. He has. I was proven wrong, actually. I, I'm not uh, not too proud to admit that I kind of wrote Hulkenberg off a bit thinking he's had his chance, he's bottled many podiums, but for him to come back and stick it in P3 after having barely any practice and, yeah, it was so impressive. So fair play to him. Hopefully not the last time we see him in F1. Uh Kimi Raikkonen and Joe Venazzi. Speaking of difficult people to rate, the alphas are just so difficult because it's so hard to know where they even were. Kimi, a B because he was 15th and finished ahead of a Haas. And Joe Venazzi gets a C, maybe. What was he? Because he beat the Williams. I mean, that's... Has Has Alpha and Williams L- last year it was really hard to Dead. rate the Williams because they were nowhere. Yeah. This yeah. year we've got three teams where it's just really difficult. So happy to just go with B and C. Yeah, yeah. I don't nice. have a strong opinion to be honest because I, I know again, it's difficult. It's isn't hard it? to because you never see him during the race. You don't know how much of it's a reflection. Like you say that it's like Williams have have come up. And then Alpha and Haas have kind of come down and now they're all kind of on a level, which is, I guess it's nice to see them battling at the bottom, I guess. But yeah, it's it's hard yeah. to get excited about it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we'll go with Grosjean, which is the same. I think it's a C because he's not... He's qualified not quite well. particularly special. Qualified. Qual- how, did, how did he do in qualifying? He, I think... So oh, I think wow. He, yeah, it was 14th. Yeah, he qualified um, but quite then, well. So I think he deserves a better yeah. rating than K-Mag, definitely. And obviously, Magnus... I think we're like going to give K-Mag a D, though, because um, yeah, yeah. he had... We've not even spoken about this. Uh, did you hear the oh, reason yeah. for his DNF was that he ran out of tyres, which um, is oh, really? pretty mad. No, I didn't hear that. That's oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, he was... He pitted at the end. He, he went through his tyres too quickly, and then he came into the pits, and although Haas said that he they retired because of a problem with the car in the interviews afterwards magnuson said that they ran out of tires they they'd run they so they are obviously if you don't know this they're allocated a certain number of tires before the weekend and magnuson was coming in don't quote me on the exact tire it was something like he had a lot of laps left and he could have put the softs on but they would have just shredded anyway so they just decided to just park it because he wasn't getting points anyway which is a very very odd situation That's mad. Is yeah, is that so, more of a is that more of a Haas strategy call than Kev though? I don't know. Probably, I, f- I feel like that's more in more in the team's like remit because Kev's focusing he was on the no, driving. Uh, yeah, although he's got to be worse than Grosjean because, like you say, Grosjean was thirteenth in quality and Magnussen was seventeenth. Yeah. He was struggling. He said with the car's been unpredictable since uh, the Albon crash because obviously yeah, they had yeah. to turn it around very quick. 
Uh, okay, so D for Magnussen. And then lastly, Russell and Latifi. Oh, just C yeah. for both. I feel like maybe Russell deserves more. Again, because yeah, Russell he, got out of Q1. so Which is how on earth? His average qualifying position for the year is 14th, I think. There was a stat going around. Which is mad for a Williams um, when he was just kind of destined for the back row every race. Um, what do you reckon? C for both or B for Russell and C for Latifi? It's Maybe not, B for we, Russell just because of quali. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Tips over. Just a B, I'd say, because it's not. Just. It wasn't exactly a, yeah, yeah. a stellar drive from him. Okay. Uh, let's get into the predictions because I am absolutely boiling now. Same, mate. I'm looking it like roasting. A, a soft Pirelli tyre right now. Um, <laughs> 70th anniversary Grand Prix predictions. Matt said Hulkenberg DNF, no. And Vettel out the points, yes. So he gets a point. I said Science fourth, absolutely nowhere near. No, minus, surely. One. yeah that's awful <laughs> uh and i thought that pirelli were going to bottle the soft tires but i've never been more happy not to get a point so there you go uh fans said baldy mark underscore sorry baldy mark 05 said three stop strategies and i think only holkenberg did a three stop yeah so i will give you nothing for the plural soz we're that harsh. No Mercedes on the podium from RSU official. That is bold and didn't happen. Uh, right, Spanish GP predictions. Matt has gone for... Uh, I wanted to call him out on this, so maybe we can <laughs> do it together and just bully him because he probably won't be watching. <laughs> Matt <laughs> Matt went for Verstappen challenges Mercedes again. It's like, is that a prediction? Like, wh- where's the cutoff point? Well, he's their only this? challenge, like, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, if he finishes third, is that a challenge or does he have to be within a certain number of seconds? No, I, I, I think it needs to be like, needs to be a genuine threat during yeah. the race. He needs to not... make them think about their strategy and yeah. not be just checking their hydrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Alban P4. I hope so. so. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Be nice. That would be great. I, I guess the theory behind that is that they're going to struggle... Um, Maybe the Ferrari engines will struggle at uh, Spain because they weren't great there in testing, were they? Uh, yeah, I have Sages gone might for struggle in the heat as well. So. Yeah, I have gone for a boring prediction, but maybe I'm going for the reverse jinx again of Mercedes one two, which with the hot weather you never know. I mean, you're not you're not really pushing the boat out that much, are you, Tommy? But still, I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't had po- I haven't had points in a while, and I'm just I'm oh, just fair enough. Some yeah. Points on the board, fair so. Enough. Uh, I've got a little bit more bold with this one and Hulkenberg will race again so obviously we don't know the situation with Perez he is 99% confident according to himself that he will race however I can see Hulkenberg racing what, what do you reckon on that well so I, you I, don't have any predictions <laughs> I, 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 I saw that article and it's um, so was that quote in Sergio or was that I, I just assumed that was quite I can't the remember team, who, who the team was, being 99% sure but either oh, okay. way, I mean, we'd, we'd love, I don't know, maybe it was Perez, but we'd love to see it, um, of course. Because, I, again, I, do, I think, you know, Nico's really putting himself in the shop window with that performance uh, yep. at Silverstone. But, I mean, I don't know, because they've got a... The, F1 needs to take a really serious stance on this because 
it is a serious situation and and if they do try and like get Sergio back for a bit of a loophole that's not going to reflect well well on the sport I don't think and they've got a very capable driver in terms of Hulkenberg so I don't think yes I think Perez would get more out of the car but I don't think Racing Point should be pushing too hard to get Sergio back if it's not completely a-okay Although if you hear paddock rumours, they are pushing for him to get back because they don't want to re- replace him as their driver while he's uh, sat in quarantine. So we'll, we'll, we, we shall see. Uh, fans then for the Spanish Grand Prix have gone for Ben's vacation, says Russell Q3. That is bold. And, I mean, we, you'd love to see it, wouldn't you? Um, and JP Rock underscore... A Ferrari out in Q1. I feel like that is more likely to happen. Yes. We absolutely. shall see. Absolutely. I feel like Ferrari going to have a tough time in Spain. Yeah, because it's a very power-heavy track as well. So, And uh, it was, I think it was, uh, yeah. So obviously they're pre-season testing there and that's when all the rumours came out that, yeah. hang on a minute, they use a behind Racing Point or even McLaren. So, yeah. And it's so difficult time. to overtake as well. I, I can't see the Ferraris qualifying that well. And because Catalonia is so difficult to overtake because of that bloody last chicane, it's just yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long season for a Ferrari fans. I do not envy you. It's funny you mentioned that last chicane because um, you've just jogged my memory of a prediction that I didn't put in because it was too flaky, and we <laughs> could just rig it for it to happen. But someone's prediction was that. I would spend the whole of the next podcast talking about the final chicane and how bad it is. So we shall see. That probably will happen because we mention it every year, how terrible it is, and you just mentioned it now. So, yeah, You're fingers crossed Spain is good. Let's. It's not normally the best race, is it? But let's hope some... With, with the, the heat, heat. Hopefully the heat will mix things up. What we can hope for. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for being our Nico Hulkenberg and joining last minute you smashed it just like nico Hulkenberg. so well done thank you it's been a pleasure mate been an absolute pleasure and yeah hopefully me presenting wasn't too awful because it's certainly not uh not in my comfort zone but uh hopefully it was still an enjoyable podcast thank you very much tomo for uh joining hopefully it won't be the last time and uh let's wave you have to look oh yeah i don't know which way i've got uh, wave yeah i don't know I'm going to wave, wave both, both ways. ways because it will work <laughs> on the edit. Cool. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.